today is one of the biggest names in country music or really music in general if we want to be honest so we would like to welcome for the first time on sidewalks entertainment travis tritt mr travis tritt how is your day going there man everything's going great how about you no complaints here in new york about the storm but what can you do now <laughs> we were set up to talk about the new album set in stone but i first yeah. want to say as i alluded to the intro few people like you out there when did you kind of realize that this was going to be a career and you didn't have to worry hey is the next thing going to be a hit well you know i quit my day job uh i was working for a heating and air conditioning wholesale company in uh marietta georgia back in the uh early 80s right out of uh pretty much right out of high school and um it was around that same time that i started playing in clubs and and stuff and after just a few months of doing both i realized that i was having i was having a lot more fun on my night job than i was on my day job right. and oddly enough i was making more money on my night job than i was on my day job but um uh, i had a um my, the guy that was the vice president of the uh of the wholesale company that i was working for um he had also uh been a really good guitar player and had actually had offers to go out on the road with people like carlos santana and some other people and he turned it down and he always looked back at that and kind of regretted it so he basically gave me all of the freedom that i needed he told me right up front he said look go out and do it and if it doesn't work your job here is always safe so i quit my day job then and basically never look back the rest is history yes there is a new album great to see an album because so many arts have become singles centric or even eps centric what is it that keeps you to the album format and it's okay if you say well i owed another album on my deal <laughs> <laughs> no actually i didn't i didn't have a deal uh when we put this album together um and this is the first recording contract that i've entered into in a long time i basically you know i don't know how to do it any other way i've always thought of you know going in the studio and putting together a cohesive group of songs that mm -hmm. basically tell a story and also set you in a specific mood um it kind of takes you on a, a journey musically and i've always done it that way and it's it's I'm not saying that I would never, you know, resort to doing more just type of singles uh, uh, occasionally uh, just to release content. But for right now, I mean, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't so, call you, and I didn't call you for the record an old dog. You, <laughs> I don't mind being an old dog. Sometimes the old dogs know a lot more than uh, people what people give them credit for. But I, I honestly, there's something about going in and writing a specific group of songs that um, that 
are reflective of what you're thinking or what you're feeling at that particular moment and putting them all together, writing them and then putting them all together on a particular album, figuring out which ones are going to make the album and which ones aren't, and then put them all together. And, and, uh, you know, just, there's something about that. It's, 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 it's kind of becoming like you said, it's kind of becoming a lost art form. And, uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, very privileged that I still get an opportunity after all these years to, to still record and, and put out music at all, but especially to put it out in that type of format. Cool. Well, some of my favorite albums of all time took a long time to come out, whether it took a long time in the production process, say like Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses. I think yes. that was 14 years, yes. something like that. And right. then other times you find out that the band Boston, they had a legal dispute and that took exactly. it out. In your case, was it writer's block or are even are there a lot of songs left over that we could see on an EP or a single soon? Uh, there's There were a bunch of songs that we didn't actually record this first time around uh, that I wrote specifically prior to going into the, into the studio. And, you know, for me, one of the reasons, I guess, one of the things I'm asked the most is, why did you wait 14 years to do an album? And the answer to that is very simple. Um, I made a conscious decision about... 12, 13 years ago that I really wanted to focus just on the live performance part, because even though I enjoy every single aspect of what I do, I enjoy the songwriting. I enjoy the recording process. I enjoy all that, but I enjoy far more the opportunity to get out and go out in front of a live audience and, and play my music for those people and there's a, a ball of energy that gets going back and forth between the stage and the audience that is a high for me that is irreplaceable mm. and so i made a conscious decision about uh about 12 13 years ago that i just wanted to focus on that fortunately i'm one of those artists that's been lucky enough to have enough hits that I can go out and do a 90 minute show or longer two hour show and have it be nothing but recognizable songs from, from beginning to end. So I really wanted to make that, that focus. And that's what basically what I've been doing for the last, you know, the last 13, 14 years. And it wasn't until I met my manager, my current manager, uh, that, uh, about three years ago. And as soon as we started working together, one of the first things he said was, you know, you've had a great career and you've had a lot of great songs, but I still think you've got a lot of great music left in you. And I would love to see you re write some new music, record some new music and go in and not only to deliver that to your loyal fans, but also to create possibly uh, a newer, younger fan base that would be interested in in hearing what you have to say and 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 the kind of music that you're interested in doing. So that's where this whole, whole idea for Set in Stone came from. And ain't who I was. Great lyrics. Did you know that that was a keeper the second that that was written? Yeah, man. That that song. Um, actually, that was one of the ones that. Uh, we were toward the end of of recording. We had put most of the songs. Um, already um, down in the studio and I had had the opportunity to work with a bunch of young songwriters in 
amongst that group was the guys that wrote Ain't Who I Was, and that's Brent Cobb and Adam Hood. And as soon as I heard that, there was there was an element to that song that reminded me a lot of the old Christofferson records. Sure. Chris Christofferson records. It just there was something about it. And and it was so different than anything else that I had recorded for that particular album. And uh, as soon as Dave Cobb played that for me, I, I said, man, I, I almost feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't record that song for this album. And uh, so I'm glad that we did. Now, another distinction about you, besides all the success, is you are the only artist I'm aware of who sung a recorded duet with one of my favorite singers of all time, Diamond David Lee Roth. You were on the <laughs> Your Filthy Little Mouth album from 94. Yeah. That's was right. that a friendship, a mutual appreciation society kind of way that you two hooked up? Yeah, we were both on the same label. We were both on Warner Brothers. And right after um, Dave had left uh, Van Halen and was doing his own solo thing, I got a call from him. I just kind of out of the blue shocked me uh, to no end that that david lee roth was giving me a call and he said man he said first of all i just want to tell you i love what you do and and i love the you know the the southern rock aspect of of what you do for for your music and he said i i was i've got this song called cheating heart cafe that i want mm -hmm. to do on this new album and he said and you you'd be the perfect guy to uh to do it with and i was of course i was i was honored and uh, uh, a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of intimidated by the whole idea, until I heard the song, and I thought, man, this, this is perfect. And then, of course, we got, had a chance to work with uh, Nile Rogers on on he produced yes, that <laughs> he produced that track, and it was just a great experience all the way around. Man, I had a ton of fun on that. Yeah, that album saw him delve into reggae, country, every yeah. genre. So that that kind of must be a flattering thought that he thinks I'm going to do two country songs this album. The only duet I'm ever going to do in my career, Travis Tritt. Isn't that awesome? I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing. I look back over my career, especially since we've just released this new album, and it's caused me to reflect back. And, you know, it's really amazing to me. Uh, you don't really think about it when you're doing it. But if you look back on it as as a whole, my career as a whole, man, I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. I've had the opportunity rec to record with almost every one of my heroes or perform on stage with them or both. You know, everybody from Waylon Jennings to Hank Williams Jr. to Patti LaBelle to Ray Charles to uh, – Willie Nelson, you know, I mean, just all these people that I just really looked up to, Charlie Pride, uh, just, you know, the list goes on and on. And and to look back over that, over my, my career and realize that, man, I've gotten a chance to do some pretty amazing things that most people would only dream about. So I'm I'm very grateful for that, man. It's, and that's without kind of delving idea. into all those acting credits as well, because <laughs> hey, you acted in two or three things with Chris Christopherson. So I did. Yeah. So you have your SAG card. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my last question for you, being mindful of your time, is what's life like for you outside of music when you're not touring, when you're not recording, when you're not writing? 
You know, uh, this past year has brought that home to me more than it ever, more than I ever realized in the past. Um, I realized in the, in the, in the past year with the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything that was going on that, man, I am a road dog at heart. I mean, I loved the, the silver lining for me of last year was that I got to spend a lot of time with my family, which is something that I don't normally get to do. But after a period of time being at home and away from the road, which is something that I absolutely love. I'm an old road dog, man, for, for most of my life. And if I'm not allowed to be able to go out and do what I absolutely love, which is exchange that big ball of energy between sure. a stage and a live audience and have it bounce back to me, man, there's a part of me that I feel like is missing. And, um, after a period of time of not being able to do that, man, I'm not really probably the most um, the most likable person to be around. You know, I I feel like a an animal in a cage, and and um, that's that was one of the biggest realizations that I had from last year was the fact that you know because I'm normally used to doing a, a uh, about 135 shows right on average you are a road dog every single year <laughs> and i've been doing it that way for for as long as i can remember so to not be able to do that man it's 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 strange for me um aside from that uh when i'm in a normal year uh i mean i'm an outdoorsman i love to uh fish uh i love to um go out and like turkey hunt and uh uh quail hunt with my with my friends my my uh, my boys both my my sons are are starting to get into upland bird hunting and uh they enjoy that so to get that opportunity to do that with them is is really special i can't thank you enough for your time my pleasure darren thank you so much how's it going there today chris good how about yourself Non-stop, but good. So many things good. I want to ask you, but getting the housekeeping out of the way, looks like you have a big match at Slammiversary coming up. Yes, I do. You're against Moose. Uh, any different preparation required for that kind of a match? Uh, I don't think so. Just, you know, you know the, the general things you do before a match, you study your opponent, you know, try to come up with a game plan and then try to apply that game plan. That's the best you can do. Be in the best shape as possible. Uh, just be prepared. Sounds like all those boxes are checked. So I was, you know, looking at your history and you're kind of like the youngest veteran possible, given your <laughs> age and experience. It's like, is he the youngest old person on the planet or the oldest young person on the planet? That's kind of the age where you're at at this point. But one thing I couldn't yeah. figure out, is there anything you haven't accomplished yet in wrestling that you're still hoping to? Uh, I, you know, not really. I don't have any like expectations or huge goals. Um, I, at this point, especially with all the injuries that I've endured, I just feel lucky to be able to continue to make a living off pro wrestling now. Um, I, I just want to be able to continue to do that. I just have a mindset of, you know, only compete with yourself. Uh, who cares what others are doing or how others criticize you? Uh, just be the best you can possibly be. And, you know, if I only compete with myself and I know that I'm doing the best I can possibly do, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. 
that we've been regularly seeing you on television somewhere between 10 and 15 years of your career injuries at side. It's just, he's always been working. We've always seen him around. And when you think about it, your favorite TV show, probably those people were not on TV for 10 years. So I have to imagine there's a big feeling of relief of going, you know, I've got 500 hours of TV time at this point. Yeah, I do think that helps a lot, especially because, you know, when you're injured, you, you just disappear. You're right. You're gone. Right. And, and, and in like wrestling fans, mine, especially they're super fickle out of sight, out of mind. They don't think about you. They don't talk about you. So uh, luckily I have like this, uh, you know, quite a big many years of work that uh, I've been able to condition the fans mind that I'm a part of pro wrestling. Chris Saban is a part of pro wrestling, even if you haven't seen him for a year or so. So, yeah, putting the work in and putting the time in definitely helped. But in your case, a lot of the people I speak with, they just do one thing. All you can ask them is about the one project that they do. But your musical past, your musical background is even more interesting to me than the wrestling. Is the band The High Crusade still active? Because I know you got an album out right before COVID hit. Yeah, we well, that, that was recorded a while ago. We actually haven't played together in years. Um, I mean, it might have been eight, nine years at this point. So, uh, yeah, but, but, but we, that was a second album that we never had a chance to release. We never actually completely finished it. There were some parts that we won, but, uh, we just never got around to, to finalizing it and everything. So we figured might as well just release it. Might as well put it out there and see what, you know, see if people like it with how it is. So we didn't know if we, we would be good back together at all, you know, at this point. So might as well just throw it out there. I liked it. A, a song like Take Aim has Misfits vibes to it in a, in a good way, the, the good era of the Misfits. So have you been playing music otherwise with the band being inactive? No, not, not really. I haven't been, you know, um, I played guitar for a hobby, you know, growing up. Uh, then I got into bass for the band, like tried, tried to learn how to play bass. And then, you know, it's a, a couple of years. I don't know, man. I just kind of, I put down my bass and I haven't picked it up in a while. So I, you reminded me I need to pick it up again, actually. Who, who is the band that made you want to pick up a guitar or even a bass in the first place? Oh, man. I, probably just the bands I would hear like riding around with my dad in the car, you know, <laughs> like he listened to classic rock. So I do like Creedence Clearwater Revival and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and the Doors and all these guys. And, you know, I, I just, the sound and thought it, thought it was cool, man. Just thought it was cool. Music is awesome. Anytime I speak to somebody who knows music and is from Michigan, I have to ask about Grand Funk Railroad because here <laughs> dialing in from Long Island, New York, Billy Joel, um, is like a, a five to ten, top five, top ten kind of artist. Two, four, six, eight. Two, four, six, eight. I think we got the voice of God uh, dialing into this call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Grand Funk Railroad seems to be like this top five band in Michigan, but is a regional band elsewhere. Do I have that correct that they're one of the biggest bands ever in Michigan? They're, they're extremely popular. They're not, they're no Bob Seger in Michigan. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Got it. So it started with classic rock. Was it Van Halen and Kiss beyond Credence? Uh, not really. I, no, not really. I wouldn't say, I would say more like 70s, 60s and 70s. You know, that, that, that's the kind of classic rock because, you know, when I was growing up riding my dad, it was still the 80s. So classic rock at that time was, you know, 60s, 70s stuff. I was curious about that because for me, it started off with what was just on the radio 
And then I heard Green Day, and then that was my punk rock entryway. And then you get into Rancid, and you find about an Operation Ivy, and then you find out, well, there was the Ramones and the Misfits and all that before that. Who is the group that was your gateway into punk rock? Well, I would say probably No FX. I would say that was probably the first punk band I think I ever heard was No FX, uh, and it was uh, the album Punk and Drublick. I mean, I think that was like the first. And then from there, yeah, I discovered uh, other punk bands like Rancid and the Ramones and Misfits and all that. But yeah, I think, yeah. But yeah, my buddy Matt had Punk and Drublick and I remember listening to it just thinking it was awesome. So I'm surprised you'd want to play bass after hearing No Effects as your entry kind of band because those bass parts are hard. They're fast. There's a lot of fills. There's a lot of notes. Well, you know, I... I was never that good at guitar and the other members of the band were way better at guitar than me. So uh, I, I was just good at guitar hero. So, you know, that, that kind of translates a little bit to bass guitar, a little more than regular guitar. Yeah. I've, I've heard with guitar hero and rock band, the drummers are the people who do the best in that game. Cause it's more rhythmic and repetitive hand motion oriented. I could see that. I wish they would come out with some new rock band and guitar heroes. I love those games. Amen. Rocksmith and all those. Uh, <laughs> so, Tying together impact and music, it seems to me like 20% of the impact roster is musical or has musical aspirations. Like I know Chris Bay plays, uh, who else plays? Rich Swan. Have you ever heard Rich Swan play guitar? Yes, he's brought the guitar into the uh, locker room before. That was, without revealing too much, I was curious if there were guitars backstage because anything that's related to a shoot, a film shoot, a TV shoot, there's always downtime where people are waiting around. And it's always, they bring a dog, they bring a guitar, et cetera. But I didn't know if that translated to (laughs) Well, Rich Swan will bring his guitar sometimes and Eric Young will bring his dog sometimes. So both those are covered. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Do you find any people on the roster besides your tag team partner are musical adversaries isn't um who else is in your band pd williams was in your band yep pd williams and then there was two non-wrestler guys that were in it got it so is there anyone else on the roster who you can comfortably talk music with that you'll trust them with control of the radio (laughs) yeah definitely pd pd i you know, Pete and I ride together and uh, we kind of both have, you know, we, we talk a lot about like 90s alternative and stuff. That's where you know, I think we have a lot in common there. Got it. So moving it all ahead. Got the impact. The band hopefully gets back together. Gaming. I hear you're a gamer as well. Yes, absolutely. What are your feelings, if any at all, about Google Stadia? Have you ever tried that? No, I haven't. I mean, I think it's a cool concept. I've never tried it, so I really couldn't tell you much about it. What are your go-to games then? Apex Legends, uh, for sure. I've been a big Apex guy for the last couple of years um, since it came out, really. And that kind of took the forefront of like any game. And just because I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just getting older or what, but I, I, you know, I bought Cyberpunk and then, you know, I played like a couple hours of it, but then like I find me myself wanted these gaming sessions to where like, uh, well, if I'm going to get into that, I want to play that for like three or four hours, but I could play Apex Legends. Hey, maybe if I feel like doing something else in 20, 30 minutes, I could do something else. I'm kind of in that mindset. So I'm like, I just want these short little bursts of video games. Then, you know, maybe I can go out and do something else. Uh, On my PC, I play a lot of Heroes of the Storm. Um, So, you know, yeah, that's pretty fun. And I, I use those 
the games are also like like I'll play Apex Legends with my brothers and I'll play Heroes of the Storm with like some of my buddies that you know live in Texas or live in Chicago or something like that. So it's a way to stay in touch while at the same time play video games. So totally agreed on Cyberpunk. I was super excited when it was coming out that Refused was somehow in there or they did music for it. But I don't know if I ever got far enough to know if it was music by Refused. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't get far enough either. You don't so. know. I don't know. They didn't do a good job with that part. But it sounds like you got a pretty full life there. So two quick questions, then you're free. And the first one is, what should be, we be watching on TV if we need a new show to start besides Impact on Tuesday nights on Access TV? Well, I just started watching Loki on Disney. <laughs> I haven't seen the second episode yet. I've only watched the first episode. I, I, I like all those Marvel uh, series that they're pumping out. I think they're really good. Um, yeah, other than that, I, I don't know. So I'll throw on like Chopped or something, you know, for some background noise or something like that. So the Food Network or something, you know. Other, other than that, I don't watch a ton of TV. I'll just wait for series to come out you know, and watch those. But. There you go. And the closer... Any last words for the kids? For the kids? Yeah. yeah. Don't don't grow up. It's a trap. <laughs> that uh, I, I'm trying to think of who those lyrics were. Was that? I, I've I've heard them before. I know that's that's I'm quoting somebody. I can't less remember than who it Jake? is off the top of my head. Possibly. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that, I think that's that's a a great quote for kids, though. Well, there you go, Chris. Thank you for your time. Looking forward to what's next from you, no matter the media. Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate Take it. care. Hey, Courtney, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. Hey, uh, good besides, deal. besides having to do interview after interview, good day for you so far? Uh, well, my first interview cropped out. The guy didn't show, so, so, uh, so I'm glad we're talking. <laughs> Who doesn't want to talk to Courtney Gaines? That is... It could have been a technical glitch. Who knows, man? I don't know. But uh, but yeah, the response has been really really good. So I'm, I'm pleased to be doing all these interviews. Sure. The new movie, Queen Bees. When was, when was it actually filmed? I can't figure that out. It was filmed a couple of years ago. Uh, so I can't remember exactly when now. <laughs> but it was at least two years ago. And you know what? I knew it had a decent budget and obviously it had some really good actors in it. And I was like, when is yeah. this thing coming out? And so I was excited to find out when it finally was coming out when I saw the trailer. And I was even more excited to see that I, you know, having a little cameo that I actually made the made the trailer was a, did, was, a, yes. was, a was a really nice surprise. So I take it you were just on the set for two or three days? I was on the set for a day. Yeah, it was just a cameo. But wow. A chance to work with Ellen Bernstein and Anne Margaret and Jane Curtin and the Red Divine. I thought that was a great opportunity. And, and it was. It was great to get to watch them work. Uh, my character was watching them while they did the first part of the scene. So I got to watch them work all day and then do our stuff. So it was great. Sometimes you don't know, for example, what you see in the movie. You, do, you find out later, oh, there was hours of footage that was cut on the cutting room floor. And those are just going to be DVD extras. Like I remember... The movie Gets Smart, uh, 10 years or so ago, the movie remake of the old TV show, they made a whole second movie based on the, the cutting room floor footage that they did that. So you never know. I didn't know if Queen Bees, well, we were going to find out there was a separate movie with just your character. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Queen Bees too, right? now. Yeah, uh, you never know, especially if you do a cameo, right? You, you could easily you know, consider they got, a, you know, they've got, they, they cut it, you know, they make a movie. It's sometimes it's two hours long and they need it to be an hour 45. And 
there's an old saying, you know, amongst good editors that you got to kill your babies, you know, to keep yeah. the movie going. So I didn't know if the scene would make make the cut or not. So I was, like I said, much less make the trailer. So I've been pretty happy about it. How'd you wind up in this one? Did you know the director? Uh, in this case, I did. That's honestly usually not the case. But uh, in this case, I did. Uh, I, I took this comedy class uh, in L.A. called uh, the Harvey Lembeck Comedy Workshop. And uh, Harvey Lembeck was a well-known actor in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And his uh, daughter went on to teach at Helene. And then Michael Lembeck, who's directed lots of TV and films, comes in about once a month and works with us. And so uh, I knew him, I knew him through that. And when I heard about the project, I approached him, he said, I think I, got, I might have a spot for you. And that was what he offered up. And I said, let's do it. Outro cast.